Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to... This is Mission Unstoppable. I was going to say Frankie says, but it's Mission Unstoppable. And I'm here with an old friend, Mr. Lehman Riley, and he is the author of these amazing children's books called The Adventures of um, Papa Lemon and the Little Wanderers. And the Little Wanderers are this amazing little group of friends. They, they come from all different backgrounds. And Papa Lemon was your real grandfather. And the yep. books are based on him. And mm-hmm. Um, he was born in the 18, in the 1800s, I believe. Is that yep. correct? And, and your grandmother, what, 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 what was her name again? Mama Sarah. Mama Sarah. She, mm-hmm. she lived to be 101. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. God bless her. Yeah, you got good genes. So it's pretty amazing. Lehman was on a, a few, we were just trying to remember when you were on a few years ago, but Zora was, was alive then, so she had to be within mm-hmm. the last three years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, your books all tackle a topic and I asked you to come back on this you know for Black History Month because I think you know what you're doing in writing these children's books um and and because a gang of these I shouldn't call them a gang um let's say the tribe of children you know they're from all different backgrounds you know they're Hispanic they're white they're black they're they're just very diverse and they all get along which is wonderful and they go on these adventures because um Papa Lemon was a train conductor I believe yep. an engineer. And so you got the idea to use his, you know, imaginary train that takes people back and back and forth in time. And they can actually really visit events that, you know, that, that you're interested in. Now you are a bit of a historian, so you like to teach them about history, but you also like to yeah. teach them a lesson. So mm-hmm. um, I know that some of the, you, is there seven books now? Eight. Eight books now. Um, and they, you know, the first one I think was you visited Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you visited Lincoln and you talked about his depression. Yeah. And then yeah. you went to visit a judge, which is the book on bullying. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did a, a surgeon. What, what was that? The heart surgery? Yeah, that was Dr. Daniel Hale Williams, the uh, first successful open heart surgeon. And uh, I wrote that book because my niece, uh, my wife's side, suffered a heart attack. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, three, uh, one week after she had her baby and she was 30 years old. Oh, wow. And she had a coronary artery dissection where your arteries pull from your heart. And so Is that from labor the, or? Um, no, it was just something that was going on and she didn't know it. Oh, wow. And, and um, yeah, so three of her four arteries pulled from her heart and uh, while I was in the hospital looking at her in the waiting room, I noticed there weren't any books teaching kids about heart disease. And yeah. so I really wanted to get that book out to uh, let kids know who Dr. Daniel Hale Williams was and, you know, to have a healthy heart and, you know, and not knowing how close that book would come to me, 
again, as I said, I think a year later, my brother passed away from oh, I'm sorry, arrhythmia. So uh, wow. these books are closer to me than I expected them to be when I'm writing them. Right. And uh, it's almost like a scary to say. It's almost like a premonition of my books when I write them. Yeah. yeah. They manifest. So maybe I better start writing some happy, yeah, happy, <laughs> happy new memories. And and you had Babe Diedrichson, so yeah, um, yeah. you know, a, a female. Uh, yeah, she was a phenomenal. Athlete. Athlete. Yeah, I, I had to write about her because I always knew about Babe Diedrichson, and I didn't think she got enough uh, credit on how much of a great athlete she was. Mm-hmm. So I said I wanted kids to know who she was, and when I'm in the classrooms. They always think Babe Dietrichson is Babe Ruth. Ruth, yes. I don't know who Babe Dietrichson is. That's Babe Ruth. And I'm like, no, Babe Dietrichson was a woman. And she played more than baseball. And she was a tennis phenomenon and uh, Olympic gold medalist. And, you know, so she was a phenomenal athlete. So you get really surprised when they find out she was a woman. So typically in third through fifth grade classrooms. So have you always been interested in history? Always, always, always. I always loved history. Um, I used to get in trouble in the third grade when I first started really thinking about history was the Native Americans. The yeah. Indian oh, yeah. Indian. You did the one about the the, the World War II. Yeah, well, the code talkers. You know, I didn't even learn about them until yeah, after college, you know, because we never. I think we all learned about them at the movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, oh. I was on the History Channel one day. I'm like, wow. Yeah, guys. I write a book on these guys. So I did that book. And that's what my favorite book that I Is wrote. That- oh, yeah, I love writing that book because we're talking about how everybody had to chip in, you know, how the kids um, helped in World War II, the women. Yeah. How they helped build planes and flew the planes and they're yeah. there. It's interesting how all that, that, that gender, you know, specific, that's our kind of work. And that's your, it all went away. Everybody just did whatever they could do. So it can be done. That's, yes. you know, it's a it's really it's a model for that, right? It's re-emerging. So yeah. I think we're on the right track to getting the credit for the women where they should be. So, you know, I'm because it's Black History Month and there's been a lot going on the last couple of years, you know. Um, I was I was wondering if if you had thought about doing a book especially like this last week, I don't know if you've seen so much stuff coming out with Rachel Lindsay and, and Bachelor Nation and all those, you know, the talk that's out there, but about, you know, how, um, how, how, you know, white people aren't taking the dialogue in the right place. Let me, let me try to put this in the right way. So you can say that, you know, you're not racist and you can say that, you, um, uh, you know, you, you want everybody to be in peace or whatever, but the, the way you speak or you don't understand some parts of history that are, are make what you say um, painful for other people, mm-hmm. let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you thought about writing a book for children to learn how to open that dialogue with their families or to learn how what to say and, and what in history they need to understand so that when they open up their mouths, they're not inadvertently I, hurting somebody. Yeah, and I think it's a lot with conversation, you know, and I think the most hurtful thing that uh, a white person can say to a black person, thinking that 
they're really cool by saying this and saying, oh, I like you and this and that. I don't see color. Right. And that is such a big, dis- just a disrespectful thing to say. Because you're saying you don't see me as a black man or you don't see her as a black woman. You don't, you don't recognize our culture. You don't recognize Okay, our so flag. that's what you're saying is that we're just, we're wiping out what makes you special. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, you want to say, oh, I don't see you as being black. I just see no color. That is the worst. That's just like, you don't see me then. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, because I had a conversation last week with with two of my friends um, on the show, and you know, they were both black, and and they said, you know what? Like, can we not just get rid of the African American? Like, I'm an American. Like, do you have to label me every single time we talk about it? You know? And so you're kind of saying, wait a minute, yeah, you do. But they're going, no, no I don't want to. No, because, not saying you that. Know, you know what I, I I mean by that? Like, I don't always go, well, I'm European Canadian or, you know, like, no, I don't do and, that. And, and I don't say I'm African American. I'm, I'm American. You know, I've right. never been in Africa. Right. <laughs> you know? And that's what they said. They've never and been. They don't want to go. They could care less. Like, but no, recognize me as being black. Yeah. Well, that's you know, different. I am, I'm, I'm black. Yeah. My descendants are from Africa. Right. You know, they, I did my. Yeah. my Gene genealogy thing, and it goes back to Gabon, and uh, I think I, we went all the way back to 1619, I think it was. Okay. And my dad's side is East Africa. Papa Lemon was West Africa. Okay. And so we followed our trails, and it's pretty similar how we got here. But I mean, it's like who wants to, whoever wants to be called, uh, yeah, I'm African-American. Yeah, cool. I'm not against that. Right. Um, but do you but, think it separates, do you think people, okay, so you're saying I want to be, do you want to be separate or you don't want to be separate? And I want to have this conversation because uh, people don't understand. That's why I'm going to be really stupid. Yeah. Dumb it down. I think, I can't, it's not like, I don't put it in two categories. I don't. Okay. Like Gary said, okay, we're a salad. You got carrots, you got onions, you got tomatoes, you got cucumbers, and that makes up a salad bowl. That's mm-hmm. America. You've got whites, you got blacks, you got Hispanics, you got Indian, you got indigenous, you got whatever, right? There's the salad bowl of America. Everybody is, you can recognize everybody, but when you come together, you're just one thing. You're a salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. is that, do you want to be a separate culture and a separate identity or do you want to be part of but recognize that there are things that make you special there are things that that's it that's a part of but respect my uniqueness right as i respect your uniqueness you know uh everybody that's why when i started writing the books everyone has a story everybody has a story and and you got your own unique flavor but not every black person is the same and not every white person is the same our stories are very different True. Depending upon how you were raised and where you were raised, potentially you feel very differently about your experience. True. Inner city and country. You like, okay, okay, just say if you're um, the majority of black people are from the South. Okay. And so you carry that experience with you, even right. when you move to the North. Right. That's right. That's the baggage so, that you're carrying. Yeah, and so literally, you gotta decide <laughs> how far are you gonna go 
carrying that because there's a lot of hurtful things coming from that. There are. So do you want to continue to bring that with you? Right. To try to go forward because I can't think, I can't, my family's from the South. Okay. And you cannot hold on to that. And move forward. And try to succeed because you keep reverting and you're thinking about, oh, this, well, you did me wrong. You know, you're white. Right. You're white. You did me wrong. Right. Even though it wasn't me personally, I wasn't there. But yeah. You had nothing to do with it. Right. But culturally, yeah. You keep carrying this stuff. Right. And it's hindering you. That's why I like your books because all those kids, they play together. They're not hung up on who did what. They're just no. like, hey, we're just buds. We're friends. Yeah. And we're going to have these little adventures together. And nobody yeah. said, wait a second. Your great, great, great grandfather, you know, <laughs> did something and, to me. And the worst thing is how we were educated as when I was growing up in the 60s. The worst thing they did to us as elementary yeah. kids. Yeah. They would show us the, the, the freedom marches. And the dogs and the hoses. Really? And, and you see and all of this. And we're seething. We're in the classroom. We're just like boiling watching this. We're in like fourth, fourth, fifth grade. Third, fourth, and fifth grade. And you can't grade. say anything. And we're watching this. And then we see some of our friends that are white. And we're giving each other the knowledge. We're going to get them because this happened to our uh, Yeah, yeah. You know. Because the teacher didn't allow us to talk about it. Right. So you show this film. Okay, now go outside and play. And you got all this in your head. Yeah. Like, how are you going to play thinking this? And plus you're hearing stories. I tell you, one of the things that um, stuck in my head when I was a little kid, I must have been maybe six years old. And my dad's cousin came over to our house. He was from Mississippi. And he was painting our house. And when he finished painting, he took off his shirt and he had all these whip marks on his back. Oh my God. And I'm looking, I'm like, what in the world is that? You know, I'm like, I'm just like stuck. Holy, yeah. He was looking. And so I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, what happened? Why, what's, what was the first time I seen anything like this? He said, well, you know, that's what happened. He was in jail and that's what they did to him. Jesus. And I'm like, and that just stayed in my mind. Yeah. Up until today, and I, I actually I wrote a, I did a poster years ago, and because of that poster, because seeing my dad's cousin like that, this poster I did was these four big strong black men, muscular, and they're holding up the word America, and they got these whip marks on their back. And in the border of the picture, I got all of these prominent African-Americans. You know, it's like uh, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Dr. King, Harriet Tubman, Dr. Uh, Charles Drew, um, Dr. Williams. And it's bordering all around the picture. And the reason why I did that, I titled it, And You Call Us the N-Word. Yeah. And I'm like, how can we be called the Edward when we help build America? 
Yeah. And in the dictionary, the N-word means shiftless, ignorant, lazy, and all these stingingly bad words. Right. How can you call us this when we help build America? Right. There's so, so much we don't get acknowledgement about. I know. Even in a, a, the Egyptian, I'm finding this stuff out in Egypt, all of these black statues that they tossed in the ocean, and now they're bringing them up. And you're seeing these black faces like, whoa, you know, we wasn't, if you don't see it when you're growing up, you can't appreciate That's right. it. That's right. I mean, I have a friend, you know, we were co-authors on, on this book and she's Nigerian. And of course, she's never experienced racism because in her country, she's a, she's a majority. So mm -hmm. she, she has no idea about, I mean, she, she sees it on TV, but she has never experienced black culture in America. She's only, mm -hmm. she only knows what it's like to be free and going about your business and nobody's going to talk to you in a, any certain way uh, yeah. in her country. You know, so it's a very different experience depending on where you grow up. My yeah. my uncle, you know, he had numbers on his arm, and I go, "What oh. is that?" And he, well, I was a little girl. He goes, "Oh, that's my phone number," but of course, mm -hmm. it wasn't his phone number. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. his tattoo from being in the gas, you know, yeah. in, in Holocaust. And so, yeah. you know, do I look and you hate all German? No. When I went to Germany, you know. A couple of years ago, they were like all over. They couldn't apologize enough for their ancestors, for their mm -hmm. grandparents. You know, these kids are like so embarrassed about how they acted. And, so embarrassed. And what makes and what do you think these kids are going to be thinking about their parents today? Yeah, and that's did the capital. Yeah, and and that's the thing I just can't understand. You know, I, I was talking to my mom about it. I'm like you know this is wrong. You know, you lawmakers, you know this is wrong. They knew it was wrong. I just couldn't you even know understand. You know Trump is a part of this yep. and still let him do this. Not Instead only did of, they let him do it, they yeah. still perpetuate the lie that he won the election. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's, it's not like even they're like, all on Kool-Aid that... Hey, it is. It's, it's, it's nuts. It and is they're nuts. lying and... and it's, it's like, oh my God, like, how can you be such liars? And you're well, going in history as big fat liars. Like, it's and they crazy. don't care. They they, don't they're care. okay with that. They don't care. They don't care what they're doing to America. They don't, as long as I'm getting as long as I get elected again. Well, I hope there's always a Stacey Abrams making sure they don't get elected again. Oh, I really yeah. do, man. Yeah, I do. We need more. We need more. But, I, you know, we were talking about racism. When I, when I would go down to Mississippi in the 60s, I'd never even experienced it because my grandfather had so much. He was admired by black and white down there. And I would go down there and the older white women and the older white men would tell, hey, how you doing? And let me, let me and go in Mrs. Annie B's general store, little white lady. And she'd always give us whatever we want. And her Papa Lemon would talk. And I thought he was like a celebrity. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. everybody loved Papa Lemon. So I'm like, wow, look at my grandfather. He's, he's, he's this guy, you know, he's the guy. And I mean, that's all you would hear is, even when he would come to Minnesota, you would hear the same admiration for him. You yeah. know, it's just like he's this, this rock star or something, because everybody loved that's Papa That's awesome. And to have that in my life, I have my mom and dad, but to have a grandfather like that. Yeah. It's, well, I, I was born in Europe, but I grew up in Canada. And the first time I went, we moved to Louisville 
Kentucky in high school. So I was only down there a couple of years, but the first year of desegregation in high school. So I'd come from a small high school to a 3000 population. The first year that they bust in all these, these black kids from wherever they lived. I know it wasn't my neighborhood and it was like the most bizarre experience I'd ever, you know, had. And then I came back to Canada and I ended up going back to St. Louis for university and that's where I really experienced racism for the first mm-hmm. time in a real way. And because it went both ways. And mm-hmm. so it's in, in St. Louis, it's like you walk down this block, you're safe. You walk down this block, you're not. Yep, and, yep. and, you know, my roommate, um, she goes, I'd like to take you home, but they would kill you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Wow. And then mm-hmm. we went to get an apartment. And it was like $400. And he looks at me, is she going to live with you? I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's $1,000. You know, oh my God. it was just like, are you kidding me, people? Like, I had never experienced such blatant racism in my life. I, I, it was like, I kind of didn't believe it. I mean, you know, you believe it, but it's like, you're like. Until oh. you're in it. Until yeah, exactly. It was like bizarre. It was I, I was part of that busing situation. And I tell you, it's that horrible. was the worst was the thing they could have done. The worst part of my education was my seventh grade year yeah. going through that busing because the teachers didn't want us there. No, nobody the kids didn't want us there. And the mental strain on me, I know it was. And yeah. some of my other, I had a friend, he hung himself. Oh, it was so, geez. He hung himself. It was so bad. And uh, it, it was just crazy here in Minnesota, 1974. Wow. You know, they and, did a show uh, the other night on, on, I don't know if you watched The Good Doctor or not. But they did they did a show the other night on you know the people of color in the show talking about how they it took so much energy just to be present for white people like to present themselves to white people and not just be and not I guess they were saying you know I can't just be me I have to show up in a, in a certain way or I'm not allowed to be here allowed mm-hmm. is a, is a, is not the right word but. Um, you know, going through medical school or, you know, I remember even last year they were talking about some of the, some of the black, you know, the colored girls with their hair, like the hair had to be a certain way. And now yeah. they're just doing whatever they want to do. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. And it's great. But then I don't know if you remember in the summer, um, there was, there was a festival in England and um, oh, what's her name? Big singer. Uh, she, she had her hair done in, in, um, pigtails and all the people got down on her for, for her wearing her hair that way because they said that she was you know um, stealing black culture and they're going well I was going to a festival that is supports black culture and my friend did my hair and she didn't think there was anything wrong with it because she's black and now everybody's like going on her for appropriating you know this stuff yeah. or misappropriating their culture and it's like if you give homage to it, it's not good. If you take a little bit of it, it's not good. But yeah, people, you, you know, you go to a country like Jamaica or someplace and they've got all their tourist stores because that's how they live. And people are going there buying that stuff and bringing mm-hmm. it home. And so the people, when you get home, people go, well, that's not right. You shouldn't have bought that. You're, you know, you're abusing their culture. And yet you're helping them because that's how they make their money. So what's mm-hmm. the right thing to do, you know? And when you blend... I mean, I understand you're that salad. So you blend the salad, you toss the salad, and that's all cool. You still stay who you are. But, you, but, but how you, but do we ever get out of this that, silo business? But when you blend that salad, you like 
that particular nuts that's in there and you appreciate it. You, you like the particular berries. You acknowledge all, right. all of that. Right. That makes this salad right. But you acknowledge, I need this, I need that. And I know what this is for. I know how this is going to make taste in my mouth. It's like when you so cook, think you want certain you need, spices, right? And they make uh, them taste better. Right. These spices make things taste better. Yeah. And, and, and yet, can we move forward and become harmonious with, with, without kind of diluting a little bit. I think you, we, we all take from certain things and, and make it our own. Yeah. Make it, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I know that if we want to have peace at some point, we can't stay in silos. Yeah. And I mean, we gotta, we gotta stop thinking one's better than the other. That's the whole thing. Yeah. We gotta stop that. We, we are, are here together. When you borrow something from somebody's culture, it is a form of, it's a recognition saying, I like that. Yeah. Like it's a form of, you know, like when someone's it's always copying you or doing this and that. And they say, well, whenever someone steals from you, it, it's a sign of uh, respect because they like yeah. what you want and this and that. Um, but I, I, you know, it's just a way that not about don't stealing, try but... <laughs> to, don't try. I, sometimes some people try to embrace it too much. Yeah. 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 No, I hear what you're saying. I get far. it. You're going too far now. Come on. You know, and uh, just chill out. You just, Acknowledge, I'm acknowledging you're white or Hispanic, Asian, Native American. You don't got to go so hundred. Right. Say, oh, my black friend. And, and, you're not going to dress up in war paint and arrows and you're not indigenous. <laughs> you know, just chill, you know. But, you know, I, you know going back to my books, that, that Abraham Lincoln book on depression, I wrote that because the black community needs to know it's okay to seek help. Yeah. You know, and so for so long, it was just stigmatized that we did not reach out for help. Right. For depression, bipolar, you know, uh, anxiety, stuff like that. So I'm trying to make it, make these kids understand you guys are going through so much more than what I've experienced. Yeah. As a 58-year-old man, these third graders have seen things that I've never even seen. And I'm like, wow. And yeah. so we need to reach out to these kids and get them some professional help. When I was growing up, our professional help was, boy, you better quit acting. <laughs> it was <laughs> Slap up the head right? the head, right? Yeah. You don't go, you didn't know the psychiatrist. What is that? You know, you know. You know, it's, we didn't, that wasn't even brought up in the community. Yeah. You know, yeah. because we got to understand our family culture is from the South and they didn't have that opportunity yeah. to uh, understand you can get help and, you know, work your way through it. So you live what in the North do, now. I'm curious. So you live in the North now. So with your Southern upbringing, living in the North, have you met other black people that didn't have your Southern upbringing that are in a different base from you. Yeah. And oh, yeah. what, what do they say to you or what do you say to them or how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, 
And it's about upbringing, you know. A lot of my friends, not a lot of them, but some of my friends that don't have that Southern root. How can I say it? They, see, we were brought up in the church. Yeah, you know? and, and everything's and very light. Yes, ma'am. Strict church, and um, so we weren't allowed to say different things, and we were have to act this way. And the neighborhood would snitch on you if you, you know, if you got caught. But some of my friends would they cuss up a storm and this and that. We grow, and that's just how they were brought up. Right. And so it was like more of a freedom that they can speak that way, a relaxed and experience that where I would be sort of envious of that. Like, man, I would like to say that because when I was growing up, we couldn't say, we couldn't say lie. <laughs> we had to say, yeah, quit telling stories. Right, right. <laughs> you, know, right. you couldn't say. Um, There's something really yeah. sweet about that though, you know? You know, really it's just is. like, not when you're a boy. No, <laughs> you know? but, but when I look <laughs> when back today, I think, yeah. Like, yeah, Lee, you get look, you gotta be watching your back, you know, and you gotta you gotta and you gotta represent yourself too, you know, because you don't wanna get punked with my other kids because yeah. the way they brought well, up. One, th- one thing, you know, you look at, at black culture, you have strong women, like very strong women. They they basically raise the family. I mean they're there. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well my like I said, my father was always around. My mom was spoiled <laughs> my dad spoiled the mess out of her but my grandmother mama sarah the sweetest person i ever knew never heard my grandmother raise her voice she didn't cuss always had her bible but she always commanded the respect and she always got the respect mm-hmm. so the cousins that would go out smoking and drinking never did that around her and and no one talked reckless around her. She was just this calmest lady. And when I see those Tyler Perry movies and they, that Mud Deer stuff, I'm like, I can't get down with that because I can't relate to a grandmother like that. My grandmother was 180 degrees totally different and didn't talk like that, didn't have no gun in the purse. And, didn't, and that's his experience, whatever. I'm not right. familiar, but I just could not relate get down with that because my grandmother was nothing like that she was a lady and that's the only way i knew how a grandmother would be right. i couldn't even fathom having a grandmother that way so i you know it's just so different like you said it's a salad of you know it's just yeah it, it really is you know i lived in the south and i lived in the north and there are some nice things i think the manners that come from the south that are nice to hold on to a little bit because they're they're mm-hmm. gone they're gone and, yeah and i wish they were back I think they bring yeah. a certain gentility that um, is necessary, you know? Yeah, I mean, okay. it, it, but you know, the problem with that, and you know, I hate to say this, um, but our kids are having babies too young. Oh, yeah. And so they don't know how to raise these babies, but then the grandmother's young too. So it's like, you know, I noticed this when I was in high school, how the girls are getting pregnant so early and then you're not even finished school and now you got a baby and now you got a, and then you see it down the line. It's just a, a, a cycle you see. And I see it today when I go to these schools and I'm like, wow, you know, and it's hard for 
these kids, that's what they are, to raise kids, babies. You yeah. know, and I'm like, you're a kid. So do, why do you think they're doing that? Do you think that they're having sex because they feel that they're not loved at home? And so that's a, that, oh, I feel love for a minute. And if I have this baby, it's going to be mine and they're going to love me and I'm going to love it. Or is it I, just, uh, I'm bored and I just want to have some fun? Well, it could be both, but I know I had a friend that told me that she wanted a baby just so she could have somebody to love. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, you know, and, you know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You could think. Yeah. You know, I was in the condom business for a lot of years and I was working with the school boards and I started with the university and I tried to get into the high schools. And I was doing the condom matchbooks and I would put um, like uh, the Bayesian flag or, or Jamaican flag and different flags on them and stuff so that the kids would take ownership of, of them. Go, oh, yeah, that's where I was from. You know, I'm going to I'm going to yeah, use yeah. this. And and when I, I gave them away free at the high schools and the schools were like, well, no, I go, listen, you know, your pregnancy rate is like atrocious. So it's not like they're not doing it. It's not promoting it, but it, it, at least, you know, we can encourage them to have safe sex. They don't need to have babies as babies and mm-hmm. and the fact that they're like well no you're going to encourage them to have sex by giving them this i'm like no i don't believe that i think they're already doing it as a numbers show yeah. let's just yeah. you know see if they can take ownership for um doing it in a safe way and and i think you know planned parenthood or whoever has to get into these schools they have to stop being afraid of talking about stuff <laughs> and get in there because they're all, they they see the evidence the evidence yeah. is that young children are having children, right? That you can't stop those statistics. So get in there and let's have a chat about it as adults. If but the key, word adult, you said, the key word you said was fear. Yeah. The parents have so much fear. The teachers have so much fear. They have so much it's fear. My depression book. And when I work with NAMI, I'm not sure if you're familiar with NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. That's who sponsored me to write this book. And when I wrote the book, they told me, don't be surprised at the reaction you're going to yeah, get. Yeah. And I'm like, this is great. This is great. It's going to help people. But parents get afraid. Oh, if my daughter, if my son read this book, he's going to have or she's going to get depression. She's going to think. She, and it's not like that. It, it doesn't work that way. And now people are since this pandemic. That depression book is starting to really yeah, off yeah. us. Kids are depressed, going through depression. Parents are going through depression, anxiety. And it's giving you an opportunity to talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the, the pandemic then and the vaccine and Black people. You know, mm-hmm. there's a culturally, they, you know, they were misabused. And so they're afraid to take the vaccine, some of them. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know what, what how you feel about it. But, you know, it's also affecting them in the worst way. And so... Yeah you know, would you do a book on that? I just, I, you know, I just took the shot yesterday. Oh, good for I you. How did yesterday. you get it so fast? Um, there was an opening. Nice. You're so lucky. What you said, a lot of people aren't getting their shots and they're breaking their uh, appointments. Yeah. And they, wow. and they think, well, you know what happened with the Tuskegee Airmen and this and that? Like, you see what's going on right now, don't you? It's yeah. not just here. In yeah. Minnesota, this is a, a world thing. That's and right. You need to be. I, I think you know what I really think. What it is, it's, a, it's the media put out the okie doke. 
to scare black people from not getting this shot. One person can just say one little thing, a little thing that will just say, make you think, oh yeah, what about Tuskegee? And what about the- Maybe that was Fox, Fox did that? I don't know, I don't listen to Fox, but I'm just saying yeah, it's out there. And I'm like, well, cause I talked to someone, cause I'm like, why aren't you taking the shot? Man, I don't believe in the shot. I don't even believe it's a virus. So, so how are all, <laughs> okay, why are all these people dying? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? How are you? Your mom just had it. What are you talking about? So either it's here or it's not. You're saying That's both. That's so bizarre that people don't so, even see it. And I said, if you think it's going to be that devious, where it's going to wipe out everybody who's taking the shot. So if that's what you're thinking, what do you think is going to be after that? Do you want to, you know, that's what I'm, I'm like. Because all these people died without a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's going to be this plan to wipe out the whole, everybody millions, of, millions and millions of people around the world with this shot. What do you think the plan is after that then? Mm -hmm. That's how I, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I, yeah. I took the shot and I'm like, I, I, I can't wait. I don't think we're going to even get ours until June or July or August or something. But, you know, my mom took it last week and she was the only black person. My dad took it. He was the oldest person they'd given a shot to. But another thing was going on, you see. Now my mom, she lives in a senior home and it might be, two or three other black families in that senior. Yeah. So my mom went last week to get her shot, tried to get her shot. And they said, well, you can't get the shot because you're not, you gotta be 76 years old. My mom said, I'm 84. <laughs> yeah. what, other, what other excuse you yeah, got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I'm in the range for all this. Why are you dragging your feet with me yeah. to get this shot? Yeah. And so wow. she like you know, put up a little fight for her. And so they said, when she was leaving, she talked to her doctor, you know, I'm getting a little upset because, you know, I can't get this shot, you know, and they're saying I need the shot. And now telling me I can't get the shot. And so just make the story short, she did end up getting the shot. But she, I was at her house yesterday. And she said, you know, one of my um, um, people that work at, live in this nursing home, she just came in because uh, they do little, workouts in the community center. She says, yeah, I just had a doctor's appointment and my doctor said, oh, would you like to get your COVID shot? She says, I don't even know I can get a shot right now. But you see, they offered it to her, white lady, give her a shot, where my mom had to fight to get her shot. Yeah. He's at the same place, the same clinic. The same place that everybody could get infected at. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's like, it's nuts, you know, I, it, you know, but it's it, mind boggling to me, all of it, really. I just, I don't get it. It's hard for me to get it, but you have to be eyes wide open. You know, I, yeah. I understand, but it's just, it's mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And there's, um, oh, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called now. There's a show, a new show just came out on um, PBS uh masterpiece theater is doing it and it's from the black perspective so it's about the plantation in jamaica songs songs or something i don't know if you've heard of it or seen it you can check it i think it's song of something but oh my god so good like mm -hmm. if you want to know what the black experience not you but people listening mm -hmm. if you want to see what the black experience is like and um 
you're not afraid to watch it and feel that's the show to go watch it's very well done and very hard to watch yeah but and and, it, I, it, watch it don't look at it yeah watch it and difference. feel it yeah no, i've seen it but are you understanding what you're yeah. seeing yeah you know it's like what gets me a little upset is when I look I, it up. like oh you need to get over slavery and this and that might um, you got to understand this is a generational thing and what has been done there is being passed on and on and on. It's like redlining for houses. It's like uh, getting good, trying to get good credit and stuff like that and trying to get loans and, you know, so many little dances you got to get through to right. get to this point. And it's called the long that, song. Huh? It's called the long song. Sorry. Okay. So there's so many things that happen yeah. that we have to maneuver through. And then you say, well, why are you like this? I'm like, and it's just like the George Floyd. Yeah. That thing. Now that's not even, that's my own neighborhood. I grew up not too far. Wow. From I mean, George and, is George Floyd was horrific. If it, how can you? If he did anything, he opened more people's eyes. Unfortunately, he had to die to do it. But more people finally had, you know, the blinders taken off and going, holy shit, mm -hmm. look what happened. Look what happens every right. single day. Look at their experience. And, you know, from that one perspective, if, you know, the most horrific thing happened, happened, but at least it wasn't in vain, I'd have to say. In that well, one, in that one they, respect, right? Hey, they still got to do the, the the trial. They, they absolutely yes. You know what? <laughs> I don't think you think if they're it's gonna not have right. You think that was bad? Well, I mean, jeez. I know, but you, but I just look at what happened at the White House trial. Holy shit, man! Five people died, and you still can't convict the asshole. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and, and with the uh, regular uh, dogs out well, today, that's just like them Duluth in 1922. I believe it was 1922 when they hung those black boys. Yeah, for nothing. For nothing. And we see this today, and how cavalier he was doing it and pressing your knee on this man, and then the other three standing there. Yeah any kind of humanity in you man get off of them get off of them if i'm gonna lose my job i'll lose my job exactly but i'm not gonna be a part of this exactly Don't give me crap well i'm just um that's, what, that's what almost makes it harder to watch is that you're watching somebody filming this and they did nothing and then the one asian cop's just standing there yeah like, oh, man get off of them yeah what can he do what yeah. can he do? I know. And you're going to stand there. I know. Everybody's telling you, man, he can't breathe. Get off, get off of him. It was despicable. It was despicable. It's, it's, it's like goes beyond words. I'm sorry. Like it really. There's no excuse. For there's it. no excuse you for it. You cannot, you cannot. You cannot talk your way out of that one. No. And so. But he should have been thrown out immediately. He should have been thrown in jail immediately. Like things should have happened immediately. And there's no way he should get off. No way he should get off. No Did his wife divorce him already? I think she got rid what of him. What if there was a little plan so she could keep the money and this and that? She was trying to be slick. But have you ever heard of someone doing that? And then the, they let him out of jail 
but they gave him free reign to move around to, between five states. You can stay in one of the states. You can stay here, North Dakota, South Dakota, I think it was Nebraska and Wisconsin. Well, maybe they're giving him room to, to, for somebody to shoot him. Who knows, right? But it's just like, how dare you do? I know. The law is not the law for everybody. That's not fair. That's not it's fair. Nuts. And you yeah. wonder why people get, you know, you, <laughs> you know, I wasn't always this calm when I was growing up. There You're was calm? <laughs> <laughs> You should have seen me when I was younger. I'm like, I'm telling you. Leave it. Like, I like I. You know what? I went to journalism because I would. I I was an activist, and I thought, you know what? Like, I can't stand this stuff. I can't stand it. And and mm -hmm. like, Jesse Jackson was my very first interview in 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 really. In, oh, in, okay. yeah, well, just it was amazing. But it was you know I've always been on that side of you know you have to fight for what's right, and you know I don't live in your country, but. I probably watch more CNN than anybody. And people, I'm posting all this stuff and they're going, why do you care? Why do you even care? And I'm like, why wouldn't I care? And, and that's the problem. When you don't care, it just keeps going. Just keeps it's going. Not, keeps uh, and that's why you like, people go, this is just a, a, an American thing. It's not an American thing. No. It's like COVID is not an American thing. You know, hmm. racism exists everywhere, whether mm -hmm. it's in the indigenous living on a friggin reservation that they shouldn't be living on or, you know, taking their stealing their culture and their names and everything, uh, or you're black or you're Jewish or you're whatever people are stealing, you know, and hurting people for nothing. My, my hmm. uncle, um, who lives in, who lived, he just passed away. He was 106. Hmm. He was in five different camps and he was teaching about the Holocaust until the, he died pretty much. And he, you know, what was amazing about, about him was they called me last year and they said, it feels like it felt just before Hitler came. It feels really? like anti-Semitism is so strong wow. right now. We were thinking of moving. Oh my God. In your hundreds, you're thinking of moving away because it, they, they couldn't, mm. the climate had changed so much that they felt mm. it was just like before. Yeah. I had a uh, college professor, he was in the Holocaust, and he was he would tell us stories. Oh my God. He it's horrific. What they did and the experiments that they did on people. Yeah. You know, and I mean, if you were black, if you were homosexual, if you were Catholic, if you were Jewish, you know, they're all targeted. They're all targeted. It's, you know, it's not just indigenous you know i mean every people always have a target about you go to india you have a target on your back if you're not you know light enough yeah right? yeah i heard and about that yeah mm -hmm. the caste system i mean everywhere you go there's something you people know, will find something to hate on unfortunately and I think the one culture that got the worst most forgotten culture is the native americans absolutely you know they got their land stolen from them they had their their future stolen from them they took yeah. they gave the girls hysterectomies at 14 so they couldn't have children you know we're going to steal your future it was horrific and, and they deserve their due they definitely deserve their due and then you got people complaining because they got casinos you get or they don't pay tax yeah, people complaining because they can spear fish. Are you kidding me? Or hunt. In the treaty, they're they're allowed to do that. Yeah. 
You've done did everything else. Now you're gonna get mad because you can't go get your muskies on your because they're doing their spear fishing. Come on now. You are if pissing me off the most though. Think about it. You celebrate Thanksgiving, and it was the Indians that saved those guys from dying that first mm-hmm. winter because they didn't know how to do anything. They didn't know where to get the food. They didn't know how to get the, you know, the, the fire. They didn't know anything. The Indians came and they fed them and they saved them and they showed them how to do all of this stuff. And then they said, oh yeah, now we're going to kill you and take all your land. Yeah. Yeah. Who does that? And the tears of trash. <laughs> Who does that? What about that? See, we didn't talk about that in school. The tears of, was it the yeah. trails or? Yeah, trail of tears. Trail of tears. Yeah, yeah. we didn't Red talk Road. about yeah. that. I just learned about that. Yeah. A couple of years ago. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. It's disgusting. And then you're going to get them with the smallpox and the blankets and all of that. What, what, what kind of mind do you have to do stuff like this? It's just how evil do you? I know. It is evil. How evil can you be? And then they use the Bible and, and Jesus and Christianity to go, oh, but... <laughs> We're Christians. Oh, boy. Right? I mean, you should watch Jamestown. It was a great show. But it's, yeah, I mean, my husband and I are just like, oh, my God, you believe these people? Well, that's what we got today. I mean, now, how are you going to call yourself an evangelical Christian and you're following Donald Trump? The first, I mean, when you caging kids, uh, all these little sex scandals that you've done, uh, the cheating with monies and stuff like yep. that, and all this dirty stuff. But you guys are following him right to him. I guess that's, that's okay. You know, it must be okay to cheat on your wife. It must be okay to tell lies. It must be yep. okay to, like, my. that's what my husband and I, like, we look at each other, we're like, are, what? Like, his family was Mormon. And, you know, the only Mormon that stood up against them, you know, was one and everybody else, they love Donald Trump. And I go, how can your family love Donald Trump? And yet they're like, you know, so Christian and so whatever. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. Every, every single uh, commandment has been broken by this man. And and, and you following him going, oh, he's such a good man. He's such a good person. Oh, he's amazing. And he puts little kids in cages. Yeah. At the, you know, and, and he, he, you know, has sex with porn stars and he has to pay them off. And, you know, he grabs women's crotches and he does all of these things, but that's okay. And this is just the stuff that we know. He's a, he's a good man <laughs> and he doesn't pay his bills. And he, he, people, he builders come and work for him and he, and he says, I'm not paying you. Yeah. And still yeah. they keep coming. Look at Cruz. Look at Ted Cruz. He was oh. so ignorant to Ted Cruz's wife. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, Oh, he's my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham, oh my God, don't get me started on him. He's, <laughs> I'm like, what is he's, wrong a, he's a weasel of the what worst kind. For one, if someone's going to try to talk about my wife like that, yeah, I'm not going to be in the running the presidency anymore because exactly, gonna, yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I'm going to do. We're going to move some furniture then, you yeah. know, because you ain't going to stand up there and say this and that to my wife. And then, like, yeah, like what is wrong with Cruz? Like, oh my God. But I'm, how was his wife looking at him? Yeah. You let him talk to me like that? Well, talk what about me? Hillary? You know, Hillary bit the bullet with, with, you know, her husband so that she could be in the running for president. That's the only reason she, she did it. I mean, Bill had an affair on her in front of the world. How embarrassing is that? Right? 
and she had to bite the bullet and yeah. she made her deal. Okay, I'll stay with you, but you're putting me up for president. Mm. What people will do for money, for title, for whatever. Power. power. Yeah. For power. It's, it's, yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Power. You're yeah. going to find out. Yeah. They're going to find out, you know, because uh, you got judgment. And you're going to have to be accountable for all you do. You might think you're doing something here. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. You see, we're not <laughs> that far apart. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you know. I went to school to actually to be a marriage counselor. Oh, did you? Yeah, I wanted to be a marriage counselor. Yeah. Oh, have you have you met? Um, did you live in Georgia? No, I for a moment for a quick. I can't even say I lived there. I, let's just say it was a visit. I was going to move there, but. I realize I'm like, nah, George is not for me. Let me get back home. I have to introduce you to remind me to introduce you to Myra McKnight. She is a marriage counselor. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. love, I love her. She's great. But yeah. uh, she lives in, in Atlanta. Okay. But, uh... Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't finish. I, I had a, a football scholarship. Okay. And um, it was my sophomore year. It was at a JC and, um, we did not win the championship. We we got knocked out before the championship game. So um, we got back that Saturday night. That Monday morning, we had slips in our mailbox. Oh shoot! <laughs> uh, come to financial aid office. It must have been eighty percent of the team. We're like, what is this? What? Crazy. Uh, your scholarship has been canceled, and you can't return unless you come up with X amount of money and this and that and like. Next week, you're gonna have this money next week. Wow, I was like, What? and like, like 80% of the team because that's what my oldest brother told me about politics before I went off to college. What are you talking about politics? He said, There's gonna be some politics you're gonna find out, and uh, I found out real quick the politics and sports because once we were in the financial aid office, we could yeah. see the young recruits coming in. <laughs> Let me take your car away from you. I'm gonna start taking this away from you. Yeah, it's crazy. There's um in Canada, there is there's a uh a woman, Viola Davis, she she a black woman and she was on the um five dollar, they put her on the five dollar bill. And her sister, Wanda Robeson, she was I always wanted to go to university my whole life. And she went at 70 and she got a degree at 75. And she and she tells these kids, she goes, you know. She goes, you've got to go to school because they might look at you and they might look at your color, but they cannot take that certificate away from you and say that you don't have the goods. So get yeah. the goods, get mm -hmm. the goods, you mm -hmm. know? And, oh, she's a great speaker. I just love listening to her talk. But can you imagine yeah. that takes guts to go to school at 70 and get, yeah. have your dream you come true. Because uh, I don't think I can go back to school. Yeah. I'm 15. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I could never, I could. yeah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> no, she's, she's actually going to get her shot. Oh, is she? Oh, I'm so yeah. jealous. I want to get my shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, not in yeah. the age group yet. Oh, well. Yeah, um, 
they should have given it to us. I'm old enough. Anyway, <laughs> it's really good catching up with you. Really good talking to you. It's really great to see, you know, where your head's at and your thoughts are at. I would love to see um, your history book do 2021. 2021. Well, you know, I have. And kind of do the, I have all together. A, I have a book that I just finished and it's on Dr. Uh, Dr. Richard Green. And he was the first, I met him one time. He was my principal. Well, he was the principal at my high school. And I only met him once in passing. And then he went on to be the superintendent of uh, Minnesota. And then he went on to be the chancellor of education in New York. And I did a story about how he rose up from North Minneapolis and the projects and he wasn't uh, the, the best kid growing up. <laughs> but he realized he needed the education. Yeah. To see, and then he went on to go on, he went to Augsburg, he went to Harvard and uh, went on to be one of the greatest educators. And I wanted to write a book about him and the North uh, Minneapolis Jewish area, how the Blacks in the Jewish community clit. And um, it's a really cool service. We're talking about uh, uh, music, um, Bernstein. Um, I want to read that book. Yeah. Let me... the, the Black athletes in the Minneapolis. Uh, just, it's a really cool book. And I'm really excited to get this one out. And I'm just, you know, trying to get the. Uh, you know who lives in. Illustration going. Do you know Maria Nambu? Have you met her? No. She lives in Minneapolis. What's her last name? Nambu. Nambu. I probably have to see her face. She was, she taught black history. She, she, she was from Tanzania originally. She was mm -hmm. married to a, a Norwegian guy, but she had the largest collection of African art um, mm. anywhere, I think in the U S and she gave it to the, um, uh, what was that? What was his name? Who, who, who played Kunta Kinte? <laughs> I always think it was, yeah, to his ranch or something. I guess oh. there's a museum on it. She just gave it all to, to them. And mm -hmm. she wrote three amazing books, amazing books um, about, she grew up in an orphanage, Catholic orphanage in Tanzania. Um, she knew that she was, you know, mixed, but she had no idea who her parents were. And then um, she, so she, the book starts out in, in Africa, then coming to America. And um, she was adopted by, a white woman who was like four years her senior, you know, it was Ooh. crazy. And then, Ooh. and then, um, you know, life is when she got married and had her kids. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I got a video on the, on the good media network. There's a video of her. She's just um, an amazing woman. Amazing woman. I'm sure if I seen her face, I probably ran across. She's beautiful. Her. She's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but yeah. I met so is. many different people. I can't keep up. 